Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses, a slightly later um, episode this week with the international break and maybe Callum slightly later to allow us a more uh, diplomatic look back at the weekend's 0-0 draw with St. Johnson, a rather drab uh, affair on a rather dreak day as well. Um, And I think it's fair to say a a frustrating um, Sunday afternoon. Sorry, I'm actually with Barry Robson here. There you <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, all, not not only you know a chance to to, to gather our thoughts a little bit, but also just uh, pluck up the courage to actually talk about it because oh god, it was terrible. It was so 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 boring that, that we probably just couldn't face it either, could we? No, uh, exactly. I remember thinking on Monday, well, I message and see if you want to record tonight, and I was like, I cannot be arsed speaking <laughs> about yesterday because it was so bad. Um, and I was still fed up, but here we are, um, Wednesday evening. And actually, um, when we're sitting down to record this just now, the uh, there's an Aberdeen eleven, um, taking on Fraser Brother, reigning champions of the the Aberdeen Aberdeenshire Shield, um, and there's some starts for a lot of first team fringe players, which is um exciting to see. So maybe something that we'll kind of touch on towards the the end of the show as well, but. Callum, we spoke about for the game uh, against St. Johnson, maybe looking to to carry that momentum, build on the the positive league performances that we've seen. Um, we didn't really see any of that in that first forty five minutes. To to sound like Barry Robson, you know, we were maybe tired from from European football. Willie Miller said that can't be an excuse when the Thursday night game is at home um, as well, and it shouldn't be an excuse at this early stage of the season as well. You could maybe afford the the conditions some portion of blame. Um, I, I think you know there was a, a lot of players slipping. The ball was maybe skidding on a bit more. Um, didn't really help when we were playing a lot of the balls over the top for the the ball to skip on the surface. But just things did not click in that that first forty five. No, it did not. Um, I mean, it barely clicked the rest of the game. Yeah. I, I got, I suppose, it got slightly better. But that first half of football was. In fact, even call it football, really. Mm. It's one of the worst we've seen in a while. And an excuse I didn't really hear um, would have been that perhaps the pitch was heavy. You know, maybe that Mm. took out the players' legs. Um, I suppose, see, in terms of the European football, as much as I'm tired of hearing it, it's not really an excuse. It's more just a circumstance that we've got to expect. Mm. Um, So I guess it will maybe play a part. Um, However, we should still be able to beat Bottom League St. Johnston, who hadn't won a game. Um, I've really, really, really tried to make myself feel better, and like they got a point at Parkhead, and uh, so they've got Peter got a point here. Maybe they're not as shit as I thought, and um, <laughs> it was just really, really, really poor, wasn't it? I mean, thinking about first half chances, the free kick from Duke, which you know the keeper made a meal of, and made it a bit more difficult for himself than he, than than he really should have. Other than that, barely anything to talk about. Yeah, and the thing about that Duke free kick as well, why was nobody following the ball in? Um, That's what I thought. Especially in those conditions as well. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't think there was really anything else to to talk about in terms of chances. There was um, maybe a header that that just went past the post, but it was quite lethargic uh, in terms of the setup. One thing that kind of was causing debate in our, our group chat, and I don't know if it was discussed between you, your brother and your dad on the the way to the game on, on Sunday, was maybe the lack of changes to the team from Thursday night. Um, you know, the likes of, of Duke still retaining his place. And 
you know, again, people may be questioning his performance levels um, on Sunday. Hopefully the international break does him the world of good because God knows we need it. Um, but I guess interesting to see how Esther gets on tonight to, to help his confidence. But again, the midfield for me looked looked too slow. There wasn't a- anything kind of clicking in, into gear. I guess that for me, the only the positive was um, how good the defence continued to look. But again, we can't really, I don't know, it's difficult because they weren't as good as St. Johnson were in that first 45. I don't really feel the defence was overly tested too much. I don't think Cal had a save to make in the 90 minutes. I can't think of any. Yeah, I know they had a few sort of sighters that went over the bar or high mm-hmm. wide and not so handsome, but I, I really can't think of any any time Kel was really tested. Interesting, um, you mentioned sort of the, the way we lined up. Um, I was certainly happy, uh, I, I think, to see Conor Baden come in. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was probably our best player across the yep. 90 minutes. I think he was awarded man of the match from the, the match day sponsors as well. Um, God knows how much they would have had to drink to see them through that game, mind you. Uh, who could blame them? Uh, I thought he was he was excellent. And he looked the most likely to create. Um, he played with the most um, sort of impetus. I've used word I've been using a lot lately. I don't know where it's come from. Um, but he was making trying to make things happen. I, I, I felt a lot. On the other side, Johnny Hayes came in, and can we talk about Johnny Hayes, please, Glenn? Um. Do it, I have to? It was it was painful to watch at times, wasn't it? It really was. I mean, I think it was the corner. Well, the one that sticks out for me was the corner in about the 85th minute. And you think, right, good chance, get the ball in the box. Doesn't beat the first man. Mm. And I just thought, oh no. Like it, it, it feels like the beginning of the end for Johnny. And like I guess like a lot of time this season, a lot of people have been very critical of of Jack McKenzie and, and him starting games. But I think we've seen maybe why Johnny Hayes shouldn't be starting for us um, now because it then gives us kind of no option off the bench. At least if you're starting, Jack, you've got that burst of energy Johnny can can offer um, and a bit of directness. Um, however, the, the quality of the ball into the box was um, severely lacking. But look, it wasn't just Johnny on, on Sunday. There was a lot of poor quality on, on show. I think, yeah, um, you know, agree with you on on Connor Barron. Once again, the only player in that midfield looking for the ball and kind of showing any sense of urgency. The other thing that really kind of struck me on Sunday during the game was um, how much we missed having a winger in Mm -hmm. in that squad and potentially how much um, playing a back five at home to bottom of the league um, was maybe not necessary. Um, again, going back to something we touched on in the, the preview episode and the, the guys on SportsSound were, were discussing it, so we discussed it on the, the podcast, how we've probably found a, a formation and a, a style that, that suits us away from home with this back five and allows us to be that counter-attacking team, but that doesn't work at home, especially against us and Johnson, who we all know fine well are not going to come out and play football against us. I think that's four or five in a row now that they've failed to score um, against us so they're not going to come here and try and play expansive football they're going to sit in and look for them a point's massive you mentioned the point on the road at Parkhead already for them this season that's two probably for them terrific points on the way uh, away from home but probably from our point of view and I'm sure the Celtic fans would have said the same after their game 
we miss chance after chance and we can't afford to do that in games like this which will be viewed by many uh, as games that we should be winning especially at home yeah we did miss a lot of chances in fact some of them we didn't even connect with which is even more frustrating but we'll come on to that a little bit later on and um, i can't for the life of me understand first of all why we started with a back five at home to bottom of the league st johnston who haven't won a game uh, uh so far this season uh, in the league anyway and why we stuck with it for so long in a game mm-hmm. like that <sighs> We were just limiting ourselves, really. I mean, the wing-backs are meant to provide the width, but when they get the ball and they look up the line and there's nobody further down the line, we then go get forced to go narrow. And I thought, found the game uh, on on Sunday, we were playing too narrow a lot of the mm-hmm. time. And then when we were eventually getting it wide, we, you know, the, the wing-back had to wait for a midfielder or one of the forwards to go wide in support. And it just delayed things and it allowed St. Johnston, Andy Constantine and Liam Gordon to set up perfectly to, to defend the cross. And it's meat and drink for them, heading balls away for, uh, from the yeah. box. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's their bread and butter. And I just could, can't understand why we limit ourselves with that. And also it limits you know, our ability to commit players forward or it takes a bit longer for them to get in support and then by that time, maybe the chance is gone. But it was very, very poor. And I just thought of two more things that really pissed me off about the free kick about uh, that Duke took. It was Miofsky standing over it alongside him when he should have been mm. one of the ones that was waiting to chase in in case Kiever spilled it. And on Johnny Hayes as well, there was at one point in the first half that one of my pals just ended up yelling, fuck off, Johnny Hayes. Because... <laughs> They, they sort of had a chance and Duke had tracked them all the way across their right-hand side and the ball came across. Eventually, Richard Jensen managed to get across and block it and, and we gave away a corner. But I've seen in the replay on sports scene, Johnny Hayes just meandering back when he's the wing-back. He wasn't providing much going forward, at mm-hmm. least do your fucking defensive duties correctly, Johnny. <clears throat> yeah, and I guess for me as well, a lot of the, the frustration was maybe that kind of lethargicness to, to our play I, I felt on Sunday we saw kind of a lot of similarities um, in the Helsinki game as well, where we got the ball in the um, middle of the park and then we would play it to to Ruby or or Stefan Gartenman and then it would go back to Kel. And sometimes when Kel had the ball, I think there was, it would have been in the second half, when Kel had the ball and Boyan was sprinting, ready to, to receive a long ball and Kel's just dawdling like, who can I pass this to that's not a midfielder or a forward? Let's, you know, keep it in the defence. There was a real kind of lack of urgency. And I remember texting um, Neve from my work in the first half saying, this is so boring. And her reply was, I'm trying to sleep here. Um, Stop trying to wake me up. Um, And I remember my friend James, he's in um, section Y, uh, fair play to him for lasting the, the 90 minutes and anyone else that, that braved section Y for the, the full 90 on, on Sunday. Uh, he wanted a, a real test of his um, waterproofs to see how how much they stood up to the test. And I guess when you're looking about standing up to tests, that's what Sunday was because we went to Ibrox and won, um, which was maybe unexpected in, in some quarters. But Sunday was a game where we were by many, certainly probably both of us, um, most of an Aberdeen persuasion, I'm sure pundits alike, were expecting a home win on Sunday, regardless of what um, played out for Aberdeen in, in midweek, um, win, lose or draw. 
and we didn't back that up. And I'm kind of frustrated that it's being seen as an, an excuse that we can use. Um, look, I, I'm, as I said, I don't doubt that the conditions played a part um, in Sunday as well. Um, you know, it wasn't just the rain. There was a bit of wind kicking about. I'm sure those uh, in the lower deck um, <laughs> must have felt like they'd had a good shower um, by the end of the game as well. But you're looking for for players to maybe step up and, and take a bit of ownership. And I really felt we were lacking that probably until Graham Shinney went off uh, in the second half and we kind of changed things up in, in midfield. But again, for me, frustration around not having a winger and the fact that we then went with Dante Polvara um, at, at right wing back. Um, when That's how we ended the game. Mm, yes, poor Dante, poor Dante. I suppose we'd better discuss um, whatever the fuck went on. Uh, just on, on the stroke of half time with the goal disallowed, um, I originally thought it, it was Duke. And I thought, actually, maybe it looked a little bit like an own goal. And then I found it was Andy Considine, and I was just heartbroken for him, but also <laughs> delighted at the same time. Um, however, in my opinion, I've been seeing it back loads of times. At the time, I had no clue what was going on, and it took forever, which was an absolute joke. I think it was the correct decision to disallow the goal. I think he was marginally offside. It is very tight. It is very tight. In some of the angles you see, it, you, you can't really tell. But there was one sports scene where he is just offside. That being said, the consistency again uh, across Scottish football throughout the weekend, where Celtic's goal stood when Stuart Finlay had to play it, when the ball was played through for Hatati, and it, it, it would have gone through otherwise, or if it had it not been him, it would have gone through to Maeda. Mm. Finley had to play it, went back to Luis Palma, who then scored. Mm-hmm. Where's the consistency in the fact that Hatati didn't touch the ball, but uh, influenced the play, and which resulted in the goal. Likewise, Duke didn't touch the ball, influenced the play, forced the other player, forced the defender to play it, and went in the back of the net. Had that been headed off Duke and it went in, would that have stood? Would that have been fine? Nobody fucking knows. Absolute shambles. Well, there's plenty of people out there that seem to know the rules very well um, and were proud to to make it known that they understood everything. So good for good for you. But uh, a lot of us that, that go to games um, were certainly under the impression. And I think this was potentially where some of the confusion lay um, for those of us actually at the ground and not, you know, subject to the, the TV replays for, you know, you know, those of you that watch on Red TV International was that the... Um, the screens um, eventually um, popped up the, where the scoreboard is. Um, I don't know if they popped up in the main stand because I know you can't see the scoreboard um, above your head, but it said VAR check possible offside. So I was like, okay, well, that's fine. And then, as you said, it, it dragged on and it dragged on. And the referee goes to the monitor and everyone's like, What's, what the fuck's he going at the monitor for? Because everybody's understanding was you can't, physically check the monitor for an offside that it's he's either off or he's not um there was i I saw a few people saying and i know you've watched a couple of replays but a few people also picked up on the point that the lines um that were used um they drew it on considine's shoulder instead of his left foot and if they'd drawn on his left foot that would have duke would have been onside is that right it wasn't on Considine. Um, I know what you mean. I don't know if it would have made that much of a difference. However, I still think he was slightly 
slightly offside. Um, but I do agree in that I, I had no idea why he was going over it. And then it turns out he was going over to check if Duke had influenced the player had was involved and obviously it was because he was, it was in Constantine's way but I Constantine mean, still headed the ball into the back of his own net I don't really have a fucking clue uh, but I, I think it's the right decision the way Constantine headed that ball I, I think he almost forgot what team he was playing for because it was a superb header into the in, into the ground into the back of the net and whether Duke was there or not I personally don't think that, that Duke was kind of you know affected the way um Constantine headed the ball personally because it's not like he you know hits Duke and that kind of knocks his head which forces the ball downwards um I noticed Duke was very theatrical um in the presence and I think he's also looking for a little bit of a penalty um in there as well but yeah as you said it's the, the consistency look without putting tinfoil hats on we know fine well why the goal at Parkhead stood um, compared to the goal at Pataudry um, if you don't know what we're speaking about you're probably new to Scottish football but what d- Hitate as you said doesn't touch the ball but Stuart Finlay 100% has to play that because that's where that ball is going so how is Hitate not interfering with play yet that goal stands so yeah it this exact same happens at Pataudry uh, and it's deemed to be not a goal. I, I make it make sense, but it, it's just a huge frustration. Barry Robson and Stephen McLean saw the, the incident differently, um, probably unexpectedly that they, or sorry, as you would expect them to, to see it differently. But I mean, that would have given us probably, I think, Callum, I don't know if you agree, um, an undeserved. 1-0 lead at halftime? I think so. However, uh, a little bit of momentum, uh, I think, sort of coming out for that second half with that goal f- uh, in front just before halftime, it would have been fantastic, I think, and we would have probably gone on, on to grab another goal or two uh, and be, uh, be a bit more convincing. Um, well, we weren't convincing at all, actually. And uh, now I think about it, I wish some of our forwards uh, finished finished the balls as much aplomb as Andy Considine. Um, yeah. but I think it would have been undeserved. However, I've been uh, I've been critical of him. Credit to Johnny Hayes for his uh, his part that he played in the build up to that goal. I thought he did very well. Uh, yeah, goal that never was, I suppose. Yeah, um, and I just got an update from Pataudry. Speaking of one nil, um, my mate has just scored an absolute screamer to put Fraserburgh one nil up <laughs> in the Aberdeenshire Shield. Um, Scott Barber's made it 1-0 for the visitors and the other update I've got was Esther Sokler's been booked for diving so wow. going well that's just, <laughs> going what, well. just what you want I mean you know we've put out a good side in that in, in that competition we're 1-0 down um, had to be had to be your mate and yeah. booked for diving in in a in an Aberdeen 11 uh, match uh, in this Aberdeenshire Shield or whatever it is that is Quite ridiculous. Uh, maybe he's yeah. spending too much time with uh, Luis Henrique Estebaros Lopez. Uh, a 20-yarder curled into the top corner. Well done, Fig. Just two more goals now till he becomes um, the Brock's record uh, top goal scorer. So I'm sure he would enjoy doing that at, at Pataudry if, if that comes off. Um, we could certainly do with someone knowing how to put the ball into the top corner from 20 yards just now, um, based on what we saw on Sunday. Um, and as you said there, Callum, the... If, if that goal had stood, 
that would have it would have certainly given the crowd a lift because boy did we need it um in, in that first half but it would have also you know probably given the, the players a bit of energy because once again like what we saw on Thursday the kind of start to the second half felt felt really flat we we didn't get going and, and then Graham Shinney gets subbed off after 56 minutes to um um protect him from injury would there be a case for that game on on, on Sunday for not starting Graham Shinning? We could have just gone with a, a midfield of, of Danny and, and Connor Barron. I think so. Uh, I think so because it's weird. Danny Povar is a weird one because he seems to play in all the big games and then doesn't get much of a chance in, in the rest of them. Uh, I don't understand. And certainly with the way he's performed when he has been given the chance. I think again, like at home against St Johnston's, a pretty safe bet for mm. him to showcase what what he can do, and also likewise give Graham Shinney a rest. And I know we've sort of, well, I've certainly flipped and flopped about he can't play two games in a week, <laughs> and he's brilliant. But I think maybe it was catching up with him. It, it wasn't his best game again. Maybe the pitch didn't help. Maybe heavy on his legs, and um, but you would have thought if you were going to start Dante Polvana in, in sort of any game. Um, to give him that chance to showcase what he can do rather than being a big unit uh, sat in front of the back five, it would have been that. But this is it. You you trust him in, you know, you throw him in at the deep end in our biggest European game at, at, at Eintracht Frankfurt and, and you, you know, you play him at Ibrox as well, yet home to St. Johnson's viewed not good enough. Um, maybe not good enough, wrong, wrong wording, but kind of doesn't make sense and I know we, we've spoken about not maybe wanting to rock the boat too much with, with some of the changes but it's maybe Barry Robson and you know look how this is going to sound harsh but fuck it you know favouritism towards some players uh, and I know people will think that when when you look at the the starts for given to Duke and possibly Johnny Hayes but people will start using that word um, after a while because you know we spoke about it Jim Goodwin, um, Stephen is there that trust there for some of the, those players that maybe predominantly start on the bench and I know maybe the, the trust is a bit harsh around, around Dante because he's obviously played in some big games already this season but if you're trusting him in those games, Frankfurt and Ibrox, why can't he be trusted against St. Johnson at home? Yeah, I agree and I actually thought when he came on he, he did pretty good um, he looked... Until he went to right back, I, he wasn't bad at right wing back but it's not his position. Yes, I agree um, I thought on the ball he looked he looked very confident he was brave with the ball and I don't think we maybe were enough throughout the game um, him and, and Connor Barron certainly were, however mm. uh, I, I would say and you, you sort of mentioned Esther Salkler there again we thought that maybe this was the type of game he could come in and, and start starting. And it's been a, a tough run of games with Duke away to travel uh, for the international duty. Maybe this is a good chance for Esther Sockler to showcase what he can do. He's been chomping at the bit and obviously grabbed his, grabbed his first goal up at Dingwall. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a, a, a good chance for him too. Like Likewise, Dante Bovara. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, this was the debate and Ian's going to be like, you hypocrite, you said... And you were happy with the team, you know, only making a couple of changes. And look, at the time, I was happy with the, the team that, that went. But when you don't get the three points, obviously question marks are going to be made. But the joys of doing this is I'm allowed to now pose these questions after the game. And yes, probably he'll be listening to this thinking, 
why didn't you say this? Why didn't you stick up for me in the group chat? Um, pretty much, but certainly, as I said, pre-match, I was thinking, perfect. We'll cannot, we could probably look to Scud St. Johnston here. Um, I was a big fan of um, Emma McIntosh's tweet at full time, um, asking Aberdeen to um, not include games against St. Johnston on the season ticket for next season. And then someone swiftly replying saying, well, hopefully they're not fucking in the league to be included. I would agree with, with the latter there. Uh, well, actually, and the former too, mm. as they are almost always awful. And this one uh, was the worst uh, that I could remember for, for, for a while. Yeah, oh, really eye-bleeding stuff. And eye-bleeding stuff continued in front of goal because, uh, look, as good as Boyan's been this season, what a game to pick to lose all sort of composure uh, in front of goals. And look, it wasn't just Boyan as well, but probably the man you want to have the best chance of the game fall to was him. And he did all the hard work as well. Left Liam Gordon and Andy Considine on their backside, only with the goal gaping and put it either side of the keeper... He put it into Rosette of the lower deck. I just, I think at that point, I knew it wasn't going to be our day. And then on top of that, when it probably looks easier to maybe have a simple finish, and I know you, you're, you've got your thoughts on this because you've watched the highlights back, uh, head it into the back of the net with an open goal bearing. No, no, no. Let's turn around and try an overhead kick, which from where I was, somehow got awarded uh, as a corner because I I don't know how that was at a corner, but. Oh no, I agree. I I didn't think it was caught at the time, and I've seen the high highlights back. Watched the replays. I actually rewinded the highlights to watch it again. Still don't know how it it was a corner. And mm. um, my only thinking would be for that overhead kick is that there. I think there was a defender back on the line who had Boyan sort of waited and then tried to head it in from a standing start, that guy could come out and had a jump on him, a run and jump on him, and maybe would have cleared it, so maybe the overhead kick was the best option, but he did fuck it up. Uh, I suppose I admire his confidence and his athleticism <laughs> in a way. Um, however, when they don't come off, they do look really, really, really bad, and he absolutely should have scored uh, when, when he sat Liam Gordon and, and Constantine on their weak backsides. Um it's like he's done too much there. I thought he actually waited too long to get the shot off um, and then tried to finish it perfectly in the top corner mm. when he didn't need to hammer it into the top corner like that and had he maybe placed it just yeah. either side of the goalkeeper, it would have been fine. Just keep um, it on the deck. A little bit too much, which was frustrating. I do agree that about that point, I was like, yeah, we could play till midnight here and never score. And remember, I, I think I left just before the full-time whistle, so I know you want to speak about a couple of the chances Esther Sokler had as well. But <laughs> Dad said to his son, come on, son, we could still be playing for the rest of the week and we're still winning a fucking score. And to be honest, you could have probably said that halfway through the first half. It just really had that that feel um, about it. It was going to be one of those days, and like I said, after that Boyan miss, where you'd have probably bet your house on him to score. Um just just no composure and you know you picked up as well before we came to this recording Richard Jensen ha had an opportunity as well once again I think there was too many times where we were dancing around the edge of the box trying to play a perfect pass and maybe instead of getting that shot away especially on a surface and in the conditions like we had on Sunday the keeper couldn't even handle a free kick pretty much straight at him try and maybe you know get that ball skidding just in front of him we didn't probably test Mitov enough, but look, he proved like he did at Parkhead that he's more than capable of keeping out a decent attack. 
Yeah, he looks a good goalkeeper. The fair credit to him, but the ch- chances you sort of reference there, Richard Jensen. Um, I know it's not it's not his job, but once he found himself in that situation and didn't really quite make contact with it, or or, or at least not properly, I just wish he would throw himself at it, launch himself at it, and get on the end of it. And likewise, Esther Sockler right at the end, um, tried to give it the sort of deftest touch uh, with the header, where if he just launched himself at it and actually got something on it, well, he would have obviously had more of a chance. And even even, even if he didn't make contact with that, it would have maybe put off meat off as well. Mm. Uh, and the ball might have found its way into the back of the net, but just very, very frustrating. Um, I suppose when you mentioned your father and son there, I just immediately thought, thank God you didn't take uh, Rory to this one and he took him to Ross County instead. But I suppose if they are in the league next season, and, uh, and Rory ever needs a nap, just bring him along to Avenue versus St. Johnston. Well, I tell you, I was very close um, earlier in the week when I saw the forecast was supposed to be dry and I was like, well, I won't, I will, I won't, I... And I was like, oh, you know what, I can't be arsed because I can hardly be arsed taking myself to an Aberdeen St. Johnston game. But um, I don't think he would have had a nap because the upper deck was noisy as fuck in that second half with their penalty in Aberdeen shouts. I mean, put the rest of the stadium to shame. I know, absolutely. There's better atmosphere in there uh, than there was in the South Stand for the Helsinki game. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was quite nice. And it sort of cheered me up uh, in a, in what was otherwise a miserable day. I, yeah. Um, it was uh, very wholesome. And credit to them. Uh, adamant, that was penalty. Penalty? Penalty. And uh, there was a few just Aberdeen. Aberdeen mm. chants what I really enjoyed as well. And they made quite the racket. So, credit to those wee guys up there. They did. Especially when there wasn't much to cheer about. And something we failed to mention um, in the podcast on um, Friday when we did the live after the, the Helsinki game. Um, and I was kind of frustrated that I forgot to mention it. But I'm so glad the players gave me the opportunity to mention it this weekend. Stop doing long throw-ins. Mm. Fuck me. We can't even beat the first man. I guess we're aiming for Ruby, but I think Aaron Greve said, well, it worked at Ross County. And I mean, that's clutching at straws because I'm pretty sure it was headed clear. And, you know, nine times out of 10, Graham Shirley doesn't fire that volley into the top corner. Um, but they're absolutely painful to watch because they're pretty good defensive clearances for the, the opposition at, at this moment in time especially when our corners are are so bad if we're trying to mix it up um with long throws both of them aren't working get scott severin to show them how it's done correct i mean absolutely mental as well to do it at home to st johnston as as we said andy constein liam gordon they would stand at the edge of a box and head the ball away all day long, 24-7, mm. if, if, if they had to. And we'll just launch it to them. It's sort of reaching maybe the six-yard box, if they're lucky. It's either not reaching Ruby or it's just sailing over his head on the way there. Um, and it's pretty pointless. And also, when Dante Povara was on, I noticed he wasn't even in there at times when he's six foot four. Get mm-hmm. him in the mix as well. I, I don't understand. Absolutely awful. Fair enough if you're desperate towards the end of the game. Otherwise... How about you actually try and play some fucking football? <laughs> yeah, actually try and, you know, drag some St. Johnson players out because, as you said, with doing the long throw, they can just, you know, flood the box and they've got players that would probably head the ball all day. Um, 
as I mentioned earlier, one big frustration for me was the the lack of width, and, and you obviously mentioned as well about being too narrow. Vinny was named on the bench. He is alive, folks, and he is actually playing tonight um, in our Ranger Shield. It's 1-1 now. Adam Emsley's equalised for, for the Dons. Um, <clears throat> was it frustrating for you um, on, on Sunday, kind of the substitutions that we went with? You know, nil-nil at home to St. Johnson, bottom of the league, probably looking to, to win that game. Should we have used our bench better um, looking at the likes of, of Vinny, maybe even Pap, um, throwing players on that can look to exploit the game? Um, because I just felt we were kind of maybe putting squares into round holes at times. Possibly. I mean, I don't understand when we were chasing a goal, we throw on Esther Sockler, somebody who's not really going to create something for himself. Mm. And then we've just got another body up there that's waiting for someone to create something for them when we've not done it all game long. Uh, and with the, the four, didn't change to a four, I felt then that could have given us more option. I suppose if you look at Vinny, Ryan Duncan possibly has, yep. has capability to, to unlock a defence and, and, and Habib Gay. They've also got a bit of pace about them as well, which against a tiring Andy Constantine in particular and the cart horse that is Liam Gordon, we could have exposed... Um, so it was frustrating for me. I, I just didn't understand throwing on Esther Sockler to just have the ball launched up at him and hope for the best. Pointless. I thought you were going to categorise Andy Considine under cart horse there as well. No, I would fucking never disrespect the guy. I do not use the Lord's name in vain. Honestly, I had, I had a tweet saved waiting for that goal to be allowed um, on Saturday, uh, Sunday, and I'm really disappointed. What was it? Come on. I didn't get to use it. Tell us what was no, it. just... Just about how pleased you were at him and um, his involvement and um, benefiting the club in, in such a great manner. Um, but, you know, even if you look at Ryan Duncan last season, uh, Park Thistle in the League Cup, you know, he's not afraid to cut in and, and actually have an attempt on goal. And I felt we missed that a lot um, on Sunday as well. But, you know, <clears throat> a frustrating, a frustrating draw. Um, we didn't manage to take the chance to, you know, had we won by, by two your goals we'd have been sitting here speaking about sitting fourth in the league and going into the international break and in a bit of positivity has that you know Barry Robson said look at the end of the day we're still five on undefeated absolutely fair point but I can't help but feel that that Sunday's stinted a little bit of my enthusiasm mm. I don't know if you feel the same I think it has I mean anytime um you go into an international break not off the back of a win you just sort of feel deflated. I, I find myself feeling mm. deflated for the sort of the whole time, uh, the whole two weeks. I mean, it might change if Scotland beats Spain. Uh, however, oh, we don't even need to beat them. We can draw with them and qualify. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, okay, if Scotland don't lose against Spain, then my mood might change a little bit. But it's just like I walked away leaving from and like be like, oh, well, we're not looking for another two weeks now, and mm. we've just drawn at home to Johnston. That's a bit of a letdown, considering you know we we beat beat Rangers then a disappointing result against Helsinki followed up with another disappointing result against St Johnston and I was coming into this month thinking if we get seven points from from the three league games that is mm -hmm. excellent now that would mean we'd have to go to Kilmarnock and win and Kilmarnock no mugs this season uh, yeah. this very organised and he's not running on the pitch um, so it makes it, it makes it a lot tougher uh, however we need the points to get back up the table and get We'll back up the right end of the table and uh, hopefully cling, cling on to third come the end of the season. But a lot of football to be played yet, so I'm not 
panicking. Yeah, and, and we're we're going to obviously speak about the game coming up against Dundee on, on next week's episode a, a bit more and get a get a chat to to get a perspective on the on the opposition because obviously they'll be going into this game off an even longer break given that their home game against Ross County was was postponed. But I just want to to kind of get your thoughts um, at this stage. Is there more pressure on that game against Dundee now um, that we didn't win against St Johnston? Yeah, I think um, there absolutely is more pressure on because I've been banging on the whole month, uh, about the, sorry, about the month uh, for ages that, you know, Hearts and Heads difficult fixtures. We've got two home games, uh, two very winnable home games and trips to Kilmarnock in the league. And we've, we've drawn, we've fallen at the first hurdle almost. Mm-hmm. We're not quite put down yet, but we've fallen at the first hurdle and it's not excellent news. I think we absolutely have to win against Dundee. Um, however... It could be a difficult one. It will be very interesting coming up against Tony Dock as a gaffer as well. And they've obviously had a lot of change uh, over the summer as well. They've they've started relatively okay, but we need to win. It's at home. (sighs) Take the pressure off a little bit, I think, and then then we'll start to build up the table. Because then that'll be six unbeaten. Mm -hmm. Well, with six unbeaten... That wouldn't oh payoffs after it. Oh fucking hell. This international break has thrown me out the window. I got up at 7 30 this morning, Glenn. Do you believe it? <laughs> I got up before seven, so stop crying. Um and also you're, you're an a old man. Old people love getting up early. And also being a student doesn't count as working a whole day. So I'm not having this excuse. But yeah, I think it, it, it's an opportunity to obviously go six on unbeaten, but we want to be going six unbeaten with three points um to help build. A, a bit of momentum and get the crowd going for obviously what is going to be a huge game against Pauk uh, in the Europa League um, next Thursday. But as I said, that's kind of been our reflection back on that drab and dreek nil-nil against Johnson. Hopefully you've enjoyed our thoughts if you're uh, unlike Sean Neville and not fans of the international break and managed to, to fill your day with some Don's content um, between now and next week. But um, yeah, we'll take a more in-depth look into that Dundee game next week and kind of round up um, some of the international break um, how the, the Dons have been getting on away from Cormac Park because um, despite it being an opportunity to work on things I, I see some of the players have been given some, some time off which uh, I'm sure is much needed because we don't want them still being tired after those European games do we Callum? No, we absolutely do not. And you know what? I'm really tired after these European games, Glenn, as well. Um, but you know what? After, you're not an old man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, damn it. Yeah, fuck. I really fucked that one up. Uh, I'm just delighted Sean Neville's happy somewhere, wherever he is at this point. I mean, he's probably the only one, but buzzing for him. Yeah, well, hopefully everybody else is happy. Um, I was going to say next week, but that would be only if you're a Tartan Army fan. Um, but until then, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.